today it seemed appropriate to do just the two of us. Yep. Just the two of us. The Will Smith song. I don't think you should quit your day job. You could restore it Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup. And I have with me my Jadi Nyani, Prasanna Maliandi. <laughs> how, did, how did I do, Prasanna? <laughs> I think you, not too bad, not too bad. So what did you hear? What did you hear? I heard Jadi Nani, Nadi. I was supposed to be bearded wise man or sage or, or I, I, I want you to know, I, I worked, I worked with my, uh, my Tamil coach, um, uh, Ramanan, and uh, he has given up on me. He he, <laughs> he says that my 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 Anglo ear is unable to hear the difference between the D H and the D in mm. the you know in the Jadi. He just he just literally he was like I give up. I'm like well I'm out of time so <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> not bad though, not bad. It's passable. I, I wanted something different, something different to call you, something in honor of, what is this, Prasanna? Oh my God, it's our 100th episode. Our 100th episode. We've been doing this almost two years. So then we'll, ha- we'll have to do a, a two-year episode, which will be in f- four weeks. Um, but but this is, our, this is our 100th episode. I remember the first time you came to me in the office at Druva in Sunnyvale. What's, what's an office? I know, seriously. And you were like, so I'm thinking about doing this podcast. I think you would be great. What do you think about it? And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is so much out of my comfort zone. I've never done a podcast. I have nothing to talk about. What are we going to even be talking about for like 20 minutes? And now here we are 100 episodes in and we struggle to keep it down below like an hour. Yeah, exactly. Not a single one has been anywhere near 20 minutes. The only ones that we have that are like close to 30 are ones that were actually longer and we split up into multiple episodes, right? Yeah, I was actually Um, just today looking at some of the more recent episodes and they were all like 50 minutes, an hour. I was like, oh boy. And I just want to thank the listeners to listening to us. Our listenership has continued to grow. By the way, our our latest episode, it has 216 listens and it's only been a day. Yeah. But if I look at the overall stats here for the podcast forever for all time yeah we're mm-hmm. we're at 30 we'll be at thirty-two thousand listens by the time this uh this report airs which is crazy Thirty-two thousand times someone has clicked People play to, to, us. <laughs> to listen to the two of us talk about you know backup um what's backup? you know and backup backup related topics right um, yeah, so that is, that, I mean, it's just great. I mean, you know, I, I look at the, I look at the, the, you know, the viewership I'd say has view, viewership, the listenership, listenership. has yep. at least the monthly number has at least doubled since we, um, since we went live in May of, uh, 2019, uh, which is and- crazy. And- Right. And you know the great thing also is it's just not the two of us talking all the time. Like I know when I looked at all of the podcasts, more than half of them have a guest on it. 
what what he did for me, folks, is he he went through all our podcasts and put it into a spreadsheet. And uh, and I liked it under the participants. You put OG. <laughs> <laughs> when it's just the two of for, us. When it's just the two of us, you put OG. I like that. Um, and then, um, yeah, so we do have, it looks like, what, 60, 70% of the podcasts have had guests. And more so lately, right? Lately, it's been the guest has been the norm and us, just the two of us has been the exception today. It seemed appropriate to do just the two of us. Yep. Just the two of us. The Will Smith song. I don't think you should quit your day job. (laughs) So I thought what would be cool to talk about would be things that, you know, we found ourselves talking about or that we learned, uh, you know, uh, obviously both of us came into this, a hundred episodes ago, knowing a lot about backup and a, a lot of things, but there's a lot of things that we didn't know about. Um, and I think for me, the the first thing that came to mind when I was looking at the list of episodes is how much I've learned about Kubernetes and Docker over oh, the yeah. last, you know, few uh, episodes that we've had. And the thing that I ha- have really enjoyed is I had been pretty anti-Docker. Yeah. Remember you saying, oh yeah, it's already difficult enough backing up a VM, which kind of comes, but doesn't really come and go often. But you're like, how am I going to even back up something with like thousands of these things constantly going up and down? And Yeah, and, and it, it, it came across to me as like the wild, wild west. But, uh, and I think that what I've, and, and, and I will also say that Kubernetes has grown with me, right? So, so in oh, the yeah. time like if that you look at it from yeah, two years, yeah, in the time that we've been doing this, the the CSI, the Container Storage Interface, has I don't know if it's come has it come out in the last two years yeah. or yeah, yeah, or has it just been, come to prominence? No, I think it's some, been developed and came out in the last year. Yeah, sometimes I find things like, oh, it just came out, and they're like, we've had there for five years, but I, you know, but I, but I never heard of it. But I think, yeah. I think that this one is actually it was pretty new. And, yeah. yeah, and especially um, the support from everyone else because they can build the layer, but if no one, like, if the storage vendors don't build the APIs to integrate with it and leverage it, then it's not very useful. So the combination of the CSI and also the stuff that I learned from Stephen, I liked uh, Stephen Manley. Uh, by the way, uh, speaking of Stephen, uh, Persona and I, as well as Stephen, uh, also uh, t- t- that we work for Druva, but this is not a Druva podcast. We continue to, you know, we have all sorts of people on here. The 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 episode that just aired yesterday was actually, uh, it was a Combalt and Spectrologic customer. Well, they were, <laughs> they were Spectrologic, they were, so they were a Spectrologic yes. <laughs> customer, but they, um you know, we love talking about backups and backup related things from all different things. Uh, the opinions that you hear are ours. And, you know, we, we want to have you on here. We want you to be a guest. If you have any, you know, if you want to talk about anything that's central or periphery to this, uh, per- central or peripheral to the topic of protecting your data, which includes security, um, you know, definitely includes security. It includes ransomware. It includes backup, DR, replication, networking. networking um, you know, all of that stuff. But, you know, we'd love to have you on, especially if you're an actual practitioner. If you have a product that you want to talk about, you know, um, th- you know, that's fine with us. We, you know, we're not afraid to talk to other products. We actually yeah, have. We're curious. 
yeah we're <laughs> curious we're curious people and um so yeah so i uh, we we want to have you on also we would love to have you if you if you've been enjoying us if you're one of those crazy people that's been listening since the beginning can i please ask you to go to ratethispodcast.com slash restore and rate this podcast uh, we need more ratings. Uh, you know, the more ratings we get, the more platforms we show up on, the more listeners we get. And that's why we're doing this to help people. And, and, and they, uh, we can't help them if they don't listen. And, uh, also I would tell you if, if you're new to us, the back catalog, there, there's quite a bit there, right? Um, take a stroll through, uh, if, if you go to backupcentral.com and just search on the word podcast, you'll see, actually, if you just scan through the last, you know, two years, most of the things that I published on backup central were podcast episodes. And there's lots there. Uh, if you prefer a little bit more succinct representation, you can go to soundcloud.com slash restore it all. And, uh, you can see all, you can see them a lot, you know, in fact, I was, yeah, we actually had some new <clears throat> hires who joined the company and I actually pointed them at the podcast. I was like, go listen to these three episodes because Curtis and I talk about why you should be doing X. And so it's a great place even yeah, for internal folks as well, trying to learn the space. Right. And so, so what about you? What's the, the number one thing that you think you learned in? Oh boy. Stuff? So I have to admit, because I haven't been in the backup space and cut my teeth on tape or dealing with a lot of the issues yeah. that you have, I think for me, one of, the interesting things I learned was about how traditional backup was done before and how tape is used. Mm -hmm. I know we've done many, many times we talk about tape and I know you've had sort of a love relationship, love, hate relationship (laughs) with tape, but I think it's (laughs) love, hate relationship. Yeah. But, but it's also one of those things that unless you know the problems of the old, you don't really appreciate sort of the new technologies and new ways of doing things. And so understanding what were some of those complexities people went through when they had to deal with tape, everything from what is it, the coercivity of tape and how bits. Coercivity, yeah. Which, by the way, is only a word that nerds like me know. (laughs) We'll just talk about that for a second. So coercivity. Uh, refer, there's a, there's a thing called the coercivity formula, which is KUV over KT, which is, it, it, it's a formula that attempts to describe, uh, the, (laughs) yes, no, no, Nino was tattooed. I have three, two, one tattooed on me, buddy. We're going to get to that in a minute. The, uh, cause I mean, how many episodes do we have where we don't bring up the three, two, one rule, right? Now the coercivity refers to the, the, the ease with which a bit can be coerced to not be that bit, right? Um, and so the uh, basically bigger bits are better and cooler bits are better. And tape has both of those in contrast to disc, right? Disc has much smaller bits when compared to tape and uh, disc is hot all the time, specifically magnetic rotating disc, not SSDs, uh, is hot all the time. And so uh, when you put, data on a magnetic you know piece of magnetic media the um on disc the, the, the a good disc person will tell you that you should not leave that data there untouched for more than five years whereas with a tape that can actually be as long as 30 
I think maybe in addition to hearing all of the problems, you've also probably learned what tape is good at good. Exactly. over the over the last uh, couple of years because it's good at things. It's just the thing that it was originally designed for, I think, is what it became really bad at. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and that's, a, that's an important point, actually, because those requirements to have sort of archiving data, keeping data for the 10, 20, 30 years, right? That's like a perfect use case to continue using tape. Storing data on tape that you plan to restore the next day, maybe not so much. <laughs> and I, I don't have, um, I can't prove this because I, I, I just, I want to state I do not have NDA information on the internal structure, or the internal IT workings of AWS, Azure, or GCP. But I am absolutely convinced that some of their long-term storage options that they offer to customers like us are based on tape. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I am convinced based on sort of their behavior and and just- And the cost, yeah. Yeah, you know, things like the fact that it takes X number of hours to, to, to pull out data from certain, right? That, all of that behavior, it, I will say this, if they're not currently using tape, they designed the product to make it to to allow them to use tape as a design, but they specifically don't talk about the technology they use. Yeah, if they ask, if you ask them, I because I've tried. If you ask an AWS person, they will be like, uh, you know, it's this many nines, and it's you know. That's all you need to know. Yeah, that's all you need to know. It's always funny whenever we talk about tape. I always sort of you know look your way and wonder what you're thinking. <laughs> because you you've never like seen a tape drive in the wild right have you? i have actually i've seen tape oh, drives okay, in the okay. wild it's just i've never had to deal with it or the issues that go along with it or the benefits right i've never had to worry about that stuff like i've mentioned in the past the closest thing to tape i've ever used is a zip drive so yeah which which is you know is not. i'm pretty sure isn't a zip drive a random access isn't it i don't remember what i, I don't know what the internal workings was I can't remember. I, I thought it was a random access, but... So tape was one of the things that I learned more than enough. In fact, if I look, there's probably maybe a half a dozen or so episodes we've recorded about tape um, during our last hundred episodes. Um, the other thing I was also going to mention is SaaS applications, right? Sort of how they work, the importance of backing it up. I know, Curtis, that's one of your big things is you should be backing up SaaS applications, yeah. right? Because they're not responsible for your data. They're just responsible for the infrastructure. It is a hobby horse onto which I climb regularly. <laughs> yeah, which, which is important though, right? I think a lot of people sort of don't realize that. In fact, we just had that conversation the other day with another uh, end user, right? Where they were talking about their issues that they've had. He confirmed ex exactly what, what we we're saying that th the thing that he described that happened, which this will come up in an upcoming episode, the thing that he described a user doing, dragging their archive, they had they had a folder that they used for archive and, and that folder was not subject to the retention enforcement that they had on the inbox. And so the user dragged the archive folder into the inbox and then suddenly all his archives were deleted by design. That's exactly the kind of thing that, that, that a backup is for, right? Just just go and restore his inbox and what his archive yesterday. folder to yep. what it was, yeah, just before he did the thing. Yep. 
that's what a backup is for. And, and he, and, and, and unfortunately he, he has a very sad story about how his backup product kind of failed him in that regard, uh, because of a, an, an unfortunate uh, configuration choice that I just don't understand. I don't understand why that product offers that, that configuration yeah. choice. I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I kept trying to figure out why would anyone ever want that? And, why yeah, would a backup just, product offer a choice that whose whose retention? I, I just oh yeah what you have to listen to that like, what, what's yeah. what's he talking about yeah wait for that episode that'll be in wow that's like I don't know six episodes from now but yeah. uh, you know we're, it's 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 about um, yeah so I've learned so regarding that um, oh and by the way that. Speaking of that, the, this thing with Salesforce reversing its yeah. position. <laughs> I, uh, who was it in their, uh, you know, customer base who said, we want you to continue to offer the worst recovery service ever known to man? You know what? It was probably you know, the, a checkbox. A PM probably said, we need to offer something as a checkbox just to satisfy our customers. And we never hope anyone ever uses it. They they originally, you know, I mean, you you pay ten thousand dollars. It takes six to eight weeks to just get a bunch of CSV files that you have to download, yep. and then you and then after downloading your entire Salesforce environment from Salesforce, then you have to upload it again in in a, in a particular order based on the refer, referential integrity. You can't upload a, an object, which is the Salesforce term for a table. You can't upload a table with values that reference another table until that table has been uploaded. Right. And so, yeah, so you have to, you have to figure out, you know, I, I just, I, I just don't know why anybody would want to use that, but I think you're right. It's just, it's people that don't want to pay for backup yep. and, and they basically hope that they will never need to restore their Salesforce data, but just in case they want to spend, you know, $10,000, by the way, if you are wondering about Salesforce backup, go listen to episode 62, where we have a guest who talks about why backing up Salesforce is so important. The thing that I learned, I'm going to say, sadly, way too much about. Well, I haven't learned way too much. I have learned an incredible amount about is regarding COVID-19 and because if you look at the hundred episodes, the one topic that we have covered more than any other topic, well, besides the three, two, one rule is we've covered COVID-19 on what? Seven episodes. Is it that I many? Think it's, yeah. Six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. Six or seven episodes. Thanks to another guest. So our guest and my good friend, Rob Warman. Hi, Rob. I know you're listening. <laughs> Rob is a Jeopardy champion. Uh, which is another episode that we did. And he, I reached out, I, I was just looking for someone that, that would, that could speak with authority to COVID because you remember back when, when sort of the world fell apart, it didn't, it didn't seem right to just continue on doing, yeah. just, let's just keep talking about backup. Yeah. I, I felt that we should, we should do something a lot more topical to what was just wreaking havoc in the world at the time. And, Rob connected us with Dr. Lindsay Schultz, who is an MD 
and a, has a master's in public health. And she specializes in what's called harms reduction, which means helping governmental entities to develop their public policies to hurt the fewest people is something that has to have been incredibly in demand over the last year. I, I've learned so much of with her, right? I, I learned about the 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 R not the this issue of an R not value, and and I don't I don't hear it talked about. On the, there are things that I have learned from her that I haven't heard in any other source. I, I learned about the R not value and and how important that was. That was really important in the beginning to understand how What's much the R not for those. Oh yeah, so the R not value is the number of people on average an infected person will infect. Right. And and it's something that's developed over time. It's 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 a best guess from the science to the scientists uh, based on the number of people that are being infected. Right. And the the idea was that the R naught value of this disease is significantly higher than the R naught value of, say, the common flu. Mm -hmm. And it's also much more uh, th then there's the, uh, what's the other, the, what do they call it? The case morbidity rate, I think is the, uh, I think is the term that she used. So basically the, the number of people, the percentage of people who get the disease that end up dying, that number is also quite high. That's, I think the number, I think it stayed steady that it's like 10 times more people die from this than die from the common flu. Right. And by the way, that's something else I learned in the middle of COVID. I had no idea that, you know, 30 to 40,000 people a year in the U.S. Yeah, die of, yeah. of the flu. Had no idea. I was I was not a person who got the flu shot on a regular basis. I was like, yeah, whatever. It's the flu. <laughs> had no idea that 40,000 people plus yeah. were dying. So I, I will I will never again make that mistake. And if there are what do you call it? If there are booster shots for the COVID vaccine, if that becomes a thing, I will be getting that. I'll be getting the annual flu shot and the COVID shot, probably, you know, left and right arm. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I have my first of the, I got the, uh, what did I get? Moderna, right? I, oh, the, the, the Moderna. Yeah. I got the first of the Moderna. And you said no issues or anything, right? Other than being sore. Well, it just, yeah, I just had a really sore, um, left arm. I, I, I did have, uh, I was out driving when I got like I got the shot and then I was driving and my, uh, I was talking to my daughter and son-in-law and they were like, are you, are you sure you don't have any symptoms? Like, cause we, we really felt bad. Like, because they were saying, if I, and I, and I, and I started feeling a little fuzzy, but I'm still convinced <laughs> that that was psychosomatic. You're right? psychosomatic. We, yeah. Yeah. The power um, of suggestion. Yeah. I started feeling like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I am. Maybe I am feeling you know, <laughs> bad. Um, but that, other than that, tiny little time. And then I just, I don't know, I got a coffee and I felt better. But you're yeah. right though, just going back to Lindsay and the coronavirus and everything that's going on. Right. Yeah, a lot of, especially in the beginning, there was so much, not necessarily misinformation, but just unknowns out there. Right. And everyone was just oh. trying to scramble to figure out what was going on. And I think you're being kind. There was <laughs> and is, there, there continues to be a, a significant amount of misinformation. Well, right. there was misinformation, it, it, but there was also no real information or factual information or not much out there right. for the general public. And, and bad information right. on the news, right? Yeah. But the news the, the news continues to this day to, to, to do, based on the things that I've learned from her, the, for example, the thing, one big thing that I learned from her is what the case positivity rate means, right? If you ask the average person on the street and they hear that there's a 20% 
case positivity rate, meaning that 20% of the tests are coming up positive. They're like, oh, it's really bad right now in San Diego. Yeah, that's no, it. That, basically that is means not that, what like, that means. Yeah, it doesn't mean that go, 20% of the population has is a test positive, right? right? It, it means that 20% of it. What she said was the only thing you should use that value for is to tell you that you're not doing enough testing. Testing. Yeah. Right. She's like, if your if your case positivity rate is, is in the double digits, it means you're not doing enough testing. Right. Because one of the things I said, well, this is a dumb number to use for anything, because to reduce it, all you have to do is do more testing to which she said. Exactly. Right. Um, you know, I, I learned that I learned about. Oh, I learned so much about I learned about Catalin Carico, the Hungarian biochemist who worked for like 15 years that to to develop the concept of using mrna in humans it's it's yet another story of of a, of a scientist <clears throat> and yes a female scientist who was laughed at uh she couldn't get tenure she couldn't get funding couldn't get uh you know the the what do, what do they call them the um the grants uh, you know for 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 almost two decades and and but she never gave up uh and yet she persisted right to use the my my granddaughter has a book whose title is, and yet she persisted. And I, I, I like to think that this, this unsung hero, because you don't hear anything about her. I haven't heard, I, I honestly haven't heard outside of this podcast. I haven't heard anything about this woman. And I think she should, she should get like whatever prize goes to people like her. Would that be the no, the Nobel prize? I think that's the Nobel prize. Because without her, you know, 15 plus years of work during which she was constantly being ridiculed, we would not have the two uh, most popular vaccines yep. that are currently available, right? Um, and so I, I learned about her. I, I learned so much from her. And so I, I just have to give a shout out to Dr. Lindsay Schultz for all of the time. And and we'll have to have her on again. I, I actually want to have her on again to just talk about, tell me why I shouldn't be scared of these vaccines. I, that is the That is the one thing that people... I keep hearing from people that, well, I don't know, it just seems like they rushed it, right? But, but she did come out, though, in, she did come out in November, so episode yeah. 79 and 80 on the podcast, where she did talk yeah. about vaccine news. Now, this was she, she while did. things were coming out in terms of, yes, I think Pfizer and Moderna were just going through their trials. Right. But yes, I think it would be good to have her come out and say, look, this is kind of where things stand. And even some of the other vaccines as well right there are other options like the right, johnson, the johnson johnson. johnson unfortunately there was some not so good news that came out about the astrazeneca uh the last couple of days uh that they had used some old data or something um so that uh don't don't yet know about that one but the i i think the summary of what i've heard uh the, the funding and things like that was rushed <clears throat> the science was not rushed not the process and also, the she did mention on the podcast about the fact that they had sequenced the genome within like a week or something. Like she she said that she'd never seen, <clears throat> you know, fast. a genome of something. And that's again due to technology. Yeah. Due to the and also shared you know, across the world too. Right? Shared across the world. Yeah. They yeah yeah they they sequenced it and then they shared it across the world, allowing everybody to work on it simultaneously. So yeah. So that I've learned so much about COVID nineteen, and I've passed on that information to random people that I've talked to. You know, like, oh, I just think they. I'm like, well, actually, Man. they worked on mRNA 
you know, vaccines for like 18 years. So, you know, uh, I, I think there's a lot, there continues to be a lot of either misinformation or it's misinformation because it's coming from a place of ignorance. And I, and I mean, I don't mean that insulting. I just mean that the person doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. And in fact, I've even told people who aren't interested in tech at all. I'm like, if anything, at least go listen to like these five podcasts. Yes. Because it yes. will provide so much information that you probably haven't heard about before about. And it also she did a great job in explaining it simply. Right. I think that's yeah, a she really did. difficult yeah. thing. So. Yeah. She uh, I actually created a playlist uh, for that for the covid. Uh, and I created a special I'll put it I'll put a link in the in the show description that I created a, a, a special backup central uh, post that lists the links to all of them as well. But uh, all right, so that's uh, that's one of the things I've learned. How about you? I know that you volunteered as a precinct worker, I think, what, the last three years? Mm-hmm. And so- No, no, no. Uh, I, I'm, you, actually, I'm actually as new to the- I'm, I, I'm, no, I, 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 no, I just, I volunteered at the, at the primary and okay. the main election this year. Gotcha. This is the first time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so just hearing, okay, what goes into that process? Because sometimes you just like, for instance, I would go to someone's garage because that's my polling place and I would vote in their garage and that's it. And I'd walk away and I'd be like, yeah, the system handles itself. But now with all the election that we just had, the general election and how there was a lot of controversy, just sort of understanding and kind of digging deeper into, okay, how secure is everything? And how do things change, especially with the pandemic and all the mail-in voting? So hearing Mark Thompson. Yeah. Mark Thompson yes, talk Mark about Thompson. it on he episode was, 78. He was my, was my precinct precinct boss. Yeah. And just sort of understanding and getting that comfort about, yeah, it's secure. Yeah. I would say that the, the more and more I learned about the inner workings of that process, the more secure I felt. And you know, that isn't always the case in technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You're like, oh, no, I don't want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah, exactly. The more I saw how how the election sausage is made, I was like, wow, this is really impressive, right? You know, that because it, it's, it is an incredibly huge process that has to be managed. And the, 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 the tireless dedication of uh, people that range from volunteers or civil servants mm-hmm. that make this possible every two years is is just absolutely amazing and uh the more i learned about it the more secure i felt about how secure the uh the election was so i you know and i i would say you know stop listening to stuff that's trying to undermine it and actually go and research it yourself right um how if you don't trust the election system go volunteer as an election worker i swear you will learn stuff and, and, and see stuff that that will make you feel better about the elections, not worse. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just complain. Go, go volunteer. Yeah. An- another thing that wasn't about backups that we ended up talking about <laughs> in 100 episodes. And that's kind of what I like, right? It doesn't always have to be about backup or data protection specifically, right? Right. I know we do have right. a lot of stories from end users about the things that like, I thought some of the disaster recovery ones were interesting and the situations people are recovering from and just hearing from end users, right? So there's a lot that we've done, but, and I love hearing stories from actual people in the field. Yes. And, and by the way, speaking of that, I'll go to another thing that I've, and, and I really honestly, I honestly didn't really 
think about this prior to doing this podcast, and that is the degree to which things that have nothing to do with backup and recovery affect a recovery, either a disaster recovery or uh, like the the podcast, the episode that was published yesterday, the, the one that was, uh, let's see, what episode number was that? 96. Uh, the ransomware. Yeah. Episode 96, ransomware victim tells his story. The degree to which things that have nothing to do with backup uh, affect the restore, right? We, you know, we had we had the 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 person on that we we had two people that that participated in a disaster recovery and another one that participated in uh, a ransomware recovery, uh, both successful, right? I, I think it's important to say that both of, both of those stories have solid endings. What uh, episode number four? Eighty two and. 72. That was our DR story. And uh, those are those were real life people that used fake names. It was Harry Potter and Ron Weasley, I believe, were the names that we used. Yep. And then the, the one that went live yesterday uh, is actually Tony Mendoza from Spectrologic, who, you know, he went through and what, what he talked about, what did he say? It took them like two weeks just to get to the point where they felt they could do the recovery. Like they were they were trying to stop the bleeding and to basically turn on systems one at a time to I, I think it was it might have been seven days I think to get to was that it seven point. days yeah okay was it oh, so it took them a week and, um and it, it so it took them a week to do that where they basically they were they were turning systems on you know one system at a time to sort of figure out what was infected and I will say that that was um that was a blessing for them that they, that they had that time to do that. Not everybody has a week. So I, I, I wonder what a, a real life DR, um, you know, in that situation, could it be any different? You know, I think about the products that Druba offers, right. With the DR as a service. And we do offer a one button disaster recovery that would just bring up your computing environment in the cloud. I, I guess the question would be if, if you had that, would you be able to circumvent the process that uh, that Tony laid out? I, I don't. I, I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah, and I think it also depends. Like we've talked about in some of the other ransomware cases, it depends how long that thing has been sitting in your systems. Yes. Right. So depending on how far back you have to go, right, it may not be very feasible. But I think even with Tony's case, right, I think. If you don't have a plan already on what you're going to do if you get hit by ransomware, you should be adding that to your DR plan right now. <laughs> yeah. He he was very I was really appreciative of Tony and that he he was very blunt about the fact that he really was in that this won't happen to us category and he didn't feel that he adequately prepared for a ransomware attack. The he, he was lucky uh, I, I'm gonna. I'll say lucky. He was lucky that a couple of months before this, he had signed up for a cyber insurance policy, and that not that they paid the ransom. And I, and that was something else I learned. Right, is that cyber insurance isn't just about paying the ransom; it's about giving you a resource that you can use during the outage. That is an expert in this problem. Yeah. Right. And uh, I think that's I, the I key. Yeah, and that's the same thing that when we had talked to, um, blah, 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 when we had talked to, just looking up the name, Jack, 
uh, at Fathom Analytics, right? When he got hit by the DDoS attack, right? His biggest right. thing was I had AWS because he had signed up for a service and they brought in the experts to help me figure it out. So I think it's right. one of those things that you don't have to go this alone. You don't have to be the expert at everything, but look to see who can you talk to or bring in experts from in order to help you with these situations. Yeah. You, 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 it's the, when you talked about that, the other thing that it just popped up. This was on my list of things that I learned. And that was, I, I learned about this industry called DDI, which is <clears throat> right. Those things, DNS, DHCP and IPAM that can be used to thwart one of these attacks, right? That, that you can, that by using, because uh, you know, the, the fact that these ransomware products and malware products just in general, they use this concept of a command and control server, which again, because I don't live in that world, I, I didn't know what that was. And I, I learned about that. So this idea that there's, that there are servers out there that will, that the, once the infection, once the software, the malware is on your server, then it attempts to contact a server that will tell it what to do. Those are called command and control servers. And that through proper use of DDI protection techniques, you can notice those conversations because they're easy to spot if you know what you're looking for, right? Um, that they they ask because they they don't use they don't use IP addresses. They use DNS, and they they query specific really weird <laughs> DNS <laughs> things that uh, a normal names. person would not be doing. Yeah. Things that a normal person would not be doing, and you you can see that somebody is asking for that, and then what happens is the DNS response tells the malware product what to do. I I had no idea DNS was using was being used for that, uh, and so this idea that you can through a DDI a secure DDI product that can watch all your DNS requests and then s just stop like okay number one. Why is there a web, you know, why is there a web, what appears to be web DNS traffic? Why is that coming from a server? That should never happen, right? Uh, and then second, why is it asking for this, you know, URL that is 400 characters long? Um, let's just stop that right now, right? Um, let's just stop it in its tracks. Or they also talked about, what's the thing the where the, they, they take the, they take the result and they make it look like it worked, but it didn't work. They just um, oh, yeah. quarantine it. That's it. They quarantine the request, right? So um, they allow it to continue to think that it's working, but it's not working, right? But it's um, not. It's exactly. just, right. Uh, that was that was something that I knew nothing about. And by the way, that's episode 87, Stop Ransomware on Its Tracks with DNS, DHCP, and IPAM, Andrew Wirtkin. Uh, that was a, a great... Uh, it's something it just again opened up an entirely new different uh, an entirely new world for me <clears throat> from a security perspective so, well i think the other thing that i've learned over these last hundred episodes so i know curtis you've been writing a book right yeah and i know it's almost ready to be published yeah should be out in may the big thing that i learned was just kind of reading through your book and just seeing the different aspects of backup that I might have missed and how 
people should be thinking about, about backup because I know in the book, you know, it's hard to cover all the various database technologies and virtualization technologies and go down to a depth in terms of, okay, you should be using this product. So you try to cover it out of breath, but it's good to be reminded, look, this is why backup is so complex, right? This is where things came from. These are the problems you should be thinking about because you may not know those questions to ask unless you've been exposed to it. So at least being familiar yeah. with those ter- with the terminology yeah, and the- what are the problems and the issues, I think was one of the things I learned. And I did read the book. It was a really good book, by the way. So I recommend everyone, when it gets published, you should give it a read. Oh, thank you. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> It's called it's called Modern Data Protection from O'Reilly and Associates, available at Amazon.com or a you know some other bookstore that you like. Um, <laughs> so uh, I should be pushing them to the O'Reilly store, but um, <laughs> uh, I make more money, I think, if they buy it from the O'Reilly store. The um, yeah, it, it 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 does come out in May. You can actually pre pre order it on Amazon now. Feel free to do that. O'Reilly's right. website. The uh, uh, so I'll throw in one more thing. I learned a lot about all of the other database products that I <laughs> honestly knew nothing about. There are way too many. There are, I, you know, when I was looking, th- this is partly for the book and partly. I think that was the bane of your existence for that book. Yeah, it was the, one of the hardest chapters because I I honestly couldn't do all of these databases justice there there's like 120 something different there are 13 13 different kinds of databases uh only a few of which fall into the um sql category and then most of them fall into the not only sql category aka no sql and uh, you know i for example i didn't even know that graph databases were a thing I, I still don't actually understand what a graph database is. I just know it needs to be backed up, right? Yeah. Every database needs to be backed up, no matter what anybody else tells you. Uh, you know, things like Mongo and Cassandra that have multi-node replication and all that stuff. That's all great really until up. the feces hits the rotary oscillator, and then you're going to want to back up, right? How you back up that platform is different with every one of these platforms. Just look into it. Just don't be that person who says, oh, well, I have clustering and so I don't need backup. Every bad story, every bad backup story starts with someone in a meeting saying, well, we don't need backup. We have SaaS, so we don't need backup. We have clouds, so we don't need backup. We have a cluster database thing, so we can survive multiple node failures, so we don't need backup. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't, because... Why, Persona, does clustering not follow backup rules? Because you do not have three copies on two separate pieces of media, one of which is offsite. The three, two, one rule, which is tattooed on Curtis's. <laughs> don't, 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 finish, <laughs> don't finish that sentence. <laughs> yeah, the three, two, one rule is literally like a single rule to find out if you're doing the right thing. It really is. If someone is telling you, uh, and, and and I completely reject the idea that it's an old rule that is old school and doesn't apply anymore. Uh, there there are definitely proponents of things like 365 that say things. Oh well, that's just old school thinking. Well, yes, but it's it's like saying, well, physics doesn't apply now, <laughs> right? You know, E equals MC squared is also a really old rule, right? yeah. but it still applies. Yeah. Um, 
if if you don't have I mean, the three part is literally the easiest part, and it's the one that most people comply with because they just do versioning, right? So they have hundreds and hundreds of versions. So if you have 365, I think it's like 500 versions of every file by default is enabled in the product. It didn't used to be, but it is now, right? Um, By the way, go and check. Check the number of versions that you're – because. I think the number changed. Well, in fact, I know the number, the default number changed and the old number used to be really short. So go into your favorite product and make sure turn on 500 versions because it's free. But the the three is the easy one. The two and the one are the one that most products fail on. Right. So the the thing is, do you have it on at least two different media? Is it, or, or or are you 365 where you're storing everything in the same place? Right. If you're not conforming to the two, you're certainly not conforming to the one. Right. And make sure that you ask them specifically, ask are them. there in two separate yes. media? Because, yeah, I don't think Microsoft really tells you. that. I, I know for in- a fact. Yeah, it's all it's all up in there. And they, they do have uh, what's called a delayed replication copy. But I specifically asked them because I was told by an expert that you could use this. I specifically asked Microsoft as a Microsoft customer. Can't like I asked them as a customer, can I use this delayed replicated copy if, you know, the worst happens? And it was a very straightforward, no, that's not for you. That's for DR. That's Microsoft infrastructure dealing with things. Not right. Exactly. Uh, and then, and then, and then of course the one, it it needs to be stored offsite. There's so many bad stories that I've heard throughout my tenure, uh, you know, as a backup person where, I, I think my favorite, and I know I told this story on the podcast. I think my favorite was the guy that he he was a tape person. This was back when tape was the default. And he had a box of tapes that he just swapped his stuff. And he kept that box of tapes on top of the server that he was backing up. And then the server caught fire. And so his logic said, therefore, tape is bad. And I remember him doing a lecture and that's why he was, that's why he was switching to disk-based backups Yeah. to which I'm like, where are you locating those disks? Because if those disks are yeah. also inside that server, you're screwed. Be, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's why the one that the, the one, at least one of the copies should be somewhere else. Right. And that's, and that's, that's honestly, and again, I know, you know, some people will go, Oh yeah, you work for Druva. That's why I like cloud-based backup so much. I've, I've, I felt that way for a long time, way before joining Druva, that the cloud, is, you know, that backup is the killer app for the cloud. DR is a killer app for the cloud because by default, you're conforming to the 321 rule yep. by using a cloud backup product. And you don't have right? to worry you're, about you're, it. You don't have to worry about it. You know, just, just keeping and, and keeping your, your backups. And, and there are a bunch of products that, it's not the pro- it's not the product that doesn't conform. The configuration often doesn't conform. There are a bunch of people who store their backups on a Windows-based backup server, where the backups are directly accessible via that Windows backup server. Yeah. By the way, I learned from Karen Forsyth, my copy editor on my book, that I use the word "via" too much. So um, <laughs> I just I was really cognizant of that when it, it showed up in my last sentence. They store their their backups on a Windows best Windows-based backup server where the backups are directly accessible uh, via a a network connection to the backup, to the backup storage. And that 
that means that those backups are encryptable, right? You, you know, first off, you're using a Windows-based backup system that is the same OS that everyone's attacking. And then your backups are accessible on a disk storage system via NFS or SMB. And you're just, uh, and that's why many of these backups end up getting encrypted, which going back to cloud backups, putting your backups on the other side of a system that you don't own, you don't control and uses different storage and communication protocols. It gives you a giant separation, uh, you know, essentially a virtual, I'm going to call it a virtual air gap, uh, a true air gap can really only be done by removable media and a, yep. you know, and a, a man in a van, it's, but it's close enough for the convenience. It's close enough. It's, it, it's a whole lot closer than backup sitting on a windows based backup server. And then by the way, if you replicate those backups to another windows based backup server in your data center or in a virtual data center that is electronically accessible via your data center, that's not any better. <laughs> right. Yep. Everything's still uh, that, exposed. It, it's still exposed. Right. And, and I know that'll sound like a, being anti uh, those products. This is why I'm saying it's not that the product is not compliant. It's that the configuration is not compliant, yeah. right? The, the, those products, right? And and yeah, probably the most popular one is Veeam. Those products uh, have answers to this yeah. uh, concern, right? So, People just uh, need to use you know, them. Yeah. they just need to use them, right? Um, for example, you don't, if you have a data domain box, you do not have to connect it via SMB to your Windows-based backup server. You can use other mechanisms that do not let the backups be directly visible, right? DD Boost, right? So um, so just just if you have a Windows-based backup server, go talk to you know, your, your vendor. How do I protect my backups from ransomware? They will have an answer at this point. If they don't have an answer, by the way, then, then maybe you should consider another product. But I know at least in the case of Veeam, they have a couple different answers, right? Yep. So anyway, so I, I don't want to sound like I'm trashing Veeam. <laughs> I'm really trashing Commvault. No. <laughs> oh, Curtis. I'm really trashing Microsoft. So uh, I'm, I, what I'm really doing is saying, use Linux. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, I'm a, I'll admit I'm a Unix guy from way back. And I, I like this phrase that I got from a, a customer once. He says that they like to close windows whenever they can. Mm-hmm. And um, so I try to use not Windows when I can. Um, yeah. I, I the only time I use Windows at home for your book writing for my book writing because my entire book was written in Dragon uh, via voice recognition while walking on a treadmill. Uh, all five hundred pages written while talking, uh, and that that software is only available on Windows. So that's when I use Windows. Other than that, I'm a Mac person. But we digress. Any final thoughts for our 100th episode, Persona? No, this has been awesome. Thank you, by the way, Curtis. I know that you do a lot of things behind the scenes as well as getting everything organized, like editing the podcast, finding our guests, right? Talking a lot and pushing me to do new <laughs> things. So <laughs> so thank you. Just want to give a shout out for that. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, someone's got to edit this thing. Yeah. And you say you don't want to listen to yourself talk. So I can't uh, listen to myself. I'm sorry. That's so funny, right? Like you're 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 a podcast co-host and you don't want to hear yourself talk. There, there's something yeah. I don't know. There's just something wrong with that. But and you and you and you are you have you have just been and i know i've said it before but you have just been the perfect co-host for this because a you do keep me on my toes you point out you point out when i'm uh when i'm veering 
well, A, when I'm veering off topic and B, when I, when I say something that isn't, a lot of times you ask clarification questions be, because you're not sure the, you know, sometimes I'll be talking about something and you'll be like, uh, explain to the listeners what, and, uh, and, and you're fun. You know, I like, <laughs> I like clearly anybody that's listened to this podcast know that I like to have a good time <laughs> while talking about my, my favorite topic and uh which is backup and well actually my favorite topic is restore but you know i I, i've told the joke a lot of time you know i say listen i've been in backups for a long time and i've thought about just skipping backups altogether and going straight to restores (laughs) it's a little bit like saying that if i'd have known how much fun grandkids were i would have skipped straight to them (laughs) um but it's that's you have to go through the process yeah yeah, I got to go through the process. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Persona, for being a great co-host. No, thank you, Curtis, for giving me this chance. It's been fun. You keep it interesting. And by the way, when I asked you, I was as terrified as you were because, <laughs> I mean, not about the talking part, but it cl- clearly, I clearly. like to talk. Um, the and, and I'm not afraid. I mean, I've spoken to audiences. I've spoken to audiences of thousands and, you know, whatever it's it's all the same i actually i prefer a big audience to a small audience because with a small audience you um you know it's different but um the idea of i'm going to start something new uh, you know i knew i could talk i didn't know if we could you know every week every week (laughs) come up with with you know something to talk to for 20 plus minutes uh that was i think you know we i yeah, that was our original goal was talk at least 20 minutes. And yeah. I, like you See said, it's been 30, yeah. 40, 50. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes we've had podcasts where they go so long that we have to chop them up into a couple of episodes. So yeah, I was as terrified as you. <laughs> we're now 100. We're 100 episodes later. Uh, clearly, we found our voice. And we f- I think we found our audience. And I think that they're continuing to find us. And please rate us at ratethispodcast.com. We do not get enough ratings. The more ratings we get, the more listeners we get. Um, ratethispodcast.com slash restore. So um, I, I, Persona, you started the podcast with it. I'm going to end the podcast with it. I'm going to say a giant thank you to the thousands of you out there that are listening to us on a regular basis. Tell your friends um, and, um, you know, uh, and and keep listening and go back and check out the back catalog. If you're new to the podcast, go back and look at all of those things. You can, an easy way to do it is to either go to backupcentral.com uh, and you'll find them there or, uh, you know, a shorter, uh, a more succinct list. You can go to the um, uh, soundcloud.com slash restore it all. And uh, you can listen to them all. And there's, you know, there's even that they offer an app if you want to, um, uh, but if you want to use an app, you know, if you use, use your, your app, favorite uh, podcaster. yeah, use your favorite podcatcher. We're on there. We're on the, we're on all the things, right? So the, the iTunes, the Spotify, we're on Spotify. That, that was kind of cool. Like, I don't know why, why I thought being on Spotify was cooler than the other ones, but <laughs> I just, I just felt, That's I just awesome. felt like it was cooler being on Spotify. Although really all it is, is connecting an RSS link, but yeah. <laughs> so yes. So thanks again to the listeners uh, because without you, we would just be two dudes talking about okay. backup to each other. <laughs> and um, remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a fire.
It'll be completely done Maybe one day it'll 